This is Stories of Strength by MuscleTech, personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength. Welcome back to Stories of Strength. I'm your host, Jay Cardiello. In this week's episode, I am joined by Canadian Olympic gymnast Ellie Black. Ellie discusses with me her gymnastic journey, the mental toll that such a competitive sport can have on athletes. She gives her thoughts on Simone Biles' decision to step back from competition during the 2020 Olympics. We also hear about her dramatic balance beam performance after suffering an ankle injury in these most recent Olympic Games. Ellie, I just want to first start off by saying how honored I am to have you on the show. In addition, how proud I am of your performance in Tokyo. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. So take us back. How did it, how did you get started in gymnastics? I got started in gymnastics when I was about six or seven years old. Someone suggested to my dad that he try to put me in gymnastics because <laughs> I was a very strong child, very energetic jumping all over the place. So it just kind of seemed like a sport that uh, would really fit me. And ever since I got into the gym, I just absolutely loved it. Oh, that is great. So for those who don't know about the ankle injury, take us back to 2019 World Championships. What actually happened? Yeah. So 2019 World Championships, those were in Stuttgart, Germany, and that was Olympic qualification. And so we had just qualified a team for the Olympics, very excited. And I was going into the all around competition. And on my final event, which was vault, I just landed a little bit short on my vault. And I felt a sharp pain up the side of my ankle. And Mm. right away, I knew that something was wrong. I knew I had injured it somehow. And there was just like a lot of emotions and thoughts that go through your mind at that moment, because, you know, the Olympics are, you know, less than a year away. And yeah, in that moment, I just I wanted to know what had happened to my ankle. And so we we got that checked out in Germany. And I had torn the syndesmosis ligament in my ankle, which holds bones together. And I had to come back home to Canada and get surgery. And so the surgery I got was a, a tight rope put in. So I have a tight rope in there holding the bones together. It's anchored with two screws and a plate. So it was a fairly big injury and surgery. Mm. And yeah, coming off of that, going into an Olympic year, that was, it was a really tough time. And, you know, it was, it was full of unknowns. It's interesting because I actually had the same thing kind of happen. I broke my spine back in 1996 and I was preparing for the nationals and hopefully the Olympic trials. So I can totally empathize with what you had gone through and also to the mental stress that you have gone through. One thing that I was thinking about is how were you able to support your teammates during the time, especially the young gymnastics or gymnasts? Yeah, I think it's really difficult, especially for the younger ones. When you've seen one of the leaders on your team, one of the more experienced ones get injured, and especially in a year of the Olympics and and amidst all the preparation. And so for me... I think my main role as a leader and and still as I was injured was to try and be as positive as possible and still be there to support them no matter what, what they needed throughout that time. And for me, it was just showing, like showing by example, having good leadership, um, really approaching that injury with as much positivity as possible and going back home, not letting that kind of defeat me Mm -hmm. and being strong for my team, being supportive no matter what. And, you know, that that just meant to me getting uh, healed up as quickly as possible, you know, taking it one step at a time, but really having a positive outlook, a good mindset towards it. 
you know, not letting that become something bigger than it was and, and really kind of having that strength for the team to be able to continue to support them in their journey and preparations and, you know, still keep that excitement of qualifying a team for the Olympics and preparing, you know, we've been working so hard on team for so many years. And so I think a big aspect of that as a leader is just making sure everyone feels comfortable, everyone feels supported. And, you know, even though we're kind of going through our own things, we're there to support one another, no matter what, and just kind of keep continuing forward on that path. Now, this is interesting, because this kind of was the intro into the pandemic. And a lot of people during that time, you know, the world just kind of fell apart and shut off. During the pandemic, how were you able to train to get to that peak performance, especially during the pandemic? Yeah, during the pandemic, it was hard. <laughs> it was really crazy. I was coming off of this ankle injury, you know, pushing to be able to get back in time for the Olympics to be strong for my team. And then all of a sudden, the world is shut down. We're in lockdown and we're not able to train for months. And we didn't know what that was going to look like. There were so many uncertainties and it was really hard mentally and physically just not being able to go into the gym and do what you love. And then also not knowing whether the Olympics were going to happen. So, you know, we went through an emotional roller coaster, really, um, when we heard that the Olympics were going to be postponed. But first, Canada, you know, came out saying we weren't going to send a team to the Olympics if they went ahead in, in the summer of 2020. And so, you know, to have them postponed was a little bit of a relief, but also we didn't know whether that was actually going to go ahead because it was a year out and no one knew what was happening with COVID. So. I think it was really a learning experience and a lot of balance and a lot of patience. The word we use for <laughs> the year of the COVID pandemic is adaptable. I think it was being really adaptable, you know, being able to change the plan on the fly because there were so many things that were uncertain. You know, we went in, in and out of lockdown multiple times in the year, which meant in and out of training multiple times, not an ideal preparation. I didn't have any in-person competitions. I didn't mm -hmm. see my team for over a year. And that was all very difficult and new and, and hard to balance. But as well, I've had a lot of experience over the years. And for me, I kind of looked at it as, okay, I've been injured before. I haven't been able to practice the apparatus. I've been able to stay physically fit. I haven't been able to compete during those times, but I've been able to come back and be strong and compete again. So just kind of looking at it, almost like you were coming off of an injury and just being very strategic with the moves and the steps and the process to make sure you're coming back in a safe way back to training and back to competition. But, you know, we have a plan and I think it was following that plan as best possible under the circumstances because things were always changing. But, you know, just trusting in, in what we could do and being adaptable because I think it was just who was able to handle all the different situations that were thrown at us hmm. and look at that in a positive light and make the best of it. Wow. You showed a lot of resilience and bravery as you battled your way to an impressive fourth place finish in Tokyo. I mean, that was amazing. What was going through your mind when you were dealing with the sprained ankle? Yeah, the lead up to Tokyo and then during Tokyo, that was a tough time. And there was a lot of resilience, a lot of hard work that went into it. You know, I think for me, the qualifications didn't go exactly as I planned, but I was still very proud of myself, very proud of our team for, you know, getting to the Olympics and having that performance, the first competition in person. And I was really excited for the all around competition. And then in training a few days before I had a crooked dismount, I barely got my legs to my or my arms to my legs to pull around. And so I landed really wow. short and I injured my ankle. And right away, I knew that it was bad. Like the the pain that I was in was not good. And, you know, in that moment, you kind of see the all around competition, 
just fade away like that. And then the beam competition as well. I had made the beam final and, and, you know, it's hard to stop those kind of negative thoughts and those, you know, hard emotions from coming through and pouring through. And I just remembered, I, I wanted to get to the clinic to figure out what was wrong with my ankle and kind of get a diagnosis and and, and move on from there to see what was actually possible. But it was, it was a lot of emotions that were going on. I think it was also really hard for my team because they just saw me go through this mm. and not knowing what was going to happen. We still had some competitions to go. And, and so I guess there again, it was just trying to be as strong as possible and as positive as possible, not focusing on, you know, what had just happened, but focusing on what I could do, what was in my control and focusing on trying to get healthy and, and see if I could compete. But it was definitely crushing to not be able to compete in the all around competition. But, you know, that was the right choice to make under the circumstances for my ankle. And especially with having beam finals in a and an extra kind of week and chance to compete there, you know, that was something that we kind of set our minds to. And obviously we were only going to do it if my ankle was stable and strong and able to do it. You know, I think it's, it's really important to know that, you know, even at the Olympics, even at this high level, you know, it doesn't mean you have to, you risk everything, risk your health to be able to perform. So we definitely did it just because it was safe, but it was a lot of hard work that went into it. And now looking back, hmm. I honestly can't even imagine, like, I, I don't even know how we did it. Like, I don't, I don't even know how I did that beam routine, but yeah, it was uh, a lot of determination and hard work. Wow. You're such a leader on the Canadian team and in all of gymnastics. What did you tell your teammates when you were debating whether or not you can carry on a competition? I think at that point I was just trying to you know, not have them worry about my injury. We still had some finals for those girls coming up and I wanted to just let them know that I was there to support them in whatever they needed. And, you know, they were there to support me if I needed anything. But at the end of the day, you know, sometimes these things happen and we have to accept them and try and make the best out of the situation and move forward. And so for me, I think I was just trying to be very supportive of them in their finals, making sure they had everything they needed to feel good, feel like they could get the most out of their Olympic experience while still focusing on what I needed, but just kind of shifting, shifting that energy a little bit to, to really making sure that if they needed something, I was there for them. You carry such positivity, not only in the way you speak, but just in terms of how you look at your teammates and, and empowering them and supporting them. Where does this positivity come from? I think for me, the positivity, it hasn't always been there. I remember when I was young, it was hard for me. A lot of the time I, I did see the negatives and I got really frustrated. And I would thank, you know, my family and my coaches and the community that I grew up in for that. Yeah, I was really surrounded by amazing individuals who really wanted to lift us up, wanted to, you know, develop and, and grow not only as athletes, but as, as people and to be able to handle so many different situations and, and look at that kind of in a positive light. And, you know, I've, I've been through a lot of obstacles that I've had to overcome. I've had a lot of injuries, you know, faced a lot of adversity. And I think those experiences have also allowed me to kind of go through those tough times, but realize that, you know, sometimes when we're focusing on things that are outside of our control or all the negatives, it really doesn't help. And, you know, at the end of the day, positivity can really help you. It can help the people around you. And, sure, you know, it puts you in a better place to move forward. So I think it's just been surrounded by that, really working through it through all my, you know, experiences over the years. It, it definitely takes 
practice. Um, and it is a mindset and it's something that we kind of have to work towards every day. But you know, for me, it's it's something that kind of helps keep me going, helps keep me grounded. And I feel like I can support the people around me with that mindset. That is amazing. That is amazing. Looking back at Tokyo, what are you the most proud of? You know, looking back at Tokyo, I was really, really proud of my team. I was incredibly proud of the Canadian team. They had amazing performances, but I think I was really proud of our gymnastics team because we had been through so much to get here. Like every other athlete at the Olympics, just being at the Olympics was an incredible accomplishment after the year and many years we've been through to get there. And so I think for me, it was just being proud to be there in the moment and give it our all, even though that didn't necessarily come out, you know, the way we expected. But I do remember also like one individual, very proud moment. As soon as I got off the beam after beam finals, I gave my coach a hug and I said to him, I am so proud of myself. And I was just crying. I couldn't hold the emotions in, <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't believe what I had just done really. And that was the whole team effort behind us. You know, my physios really made that possible. My coach really made that possible, but it was really a lot of hard work to go from being injured a week before to competing in the beam final on that ankle. And yeah, coming off of that, no matter how the results went, I was beyond proud of myself for, you know, being able to go up there, try, hit a really good beam routine, which I would have asked for on any other day under any other circumstance and come forth in the world. You know, that's something incredible. It is incredible. And you brought up a moment that not only was emotional to yourself, but to me and to many others that watched, you had a moment with your coach, David, that I guess not much was said, but a lot was understood. What's so special about that relationship with your coach, David? Yeah, we've been through a lot. I've worked with him basically since 2011. So about 10 years, he has been such an incredible part of developing from, you know, a younger athlete into an adult athlete. And we've been through so many ups and downs together, so many injuries, so many experiences. We've learned a lot from each other. And, you know, he pushes me to grow. I, I think I push him to grow sometimes. And, you know, it's, it's really about having that good relationship, that good communication, that understanding, and, and really having that good connection. And, and so I think we have that as a, a coach athlete situation. And I think in that moment, it was just yeah, us being so, so grateful for everything, enjoying that moment, all the hard work that's brought us to that, that moment, all that, you know, emotion that was just pouring out and mm -hmm. yeah, nothing really needed to be said, but it was just, you know, felt after that because, you know, I've had incredible coaches in my career. My first coach, KG Yamanaka, he was incredible. He, you know, he, without him, I, I wouldn't be the athlete I am today. And then working with David, you know, he pushed me in other, other ways that, you know, KG, they're just very different coaches. So they work in different ways, but having both of them really made me into the athlete I am today. And, you know, in that moment, it was just being so grateful for everyone who supported me, everyone who's gotten me there and immediately just having Dave there, you know, to enjoy that moment within that experience. It was awesome. That moment was awesome and it was, it was very memorable and I hope you keep that for the rest of your life. Changing course now, what were your impressions or what did you think when you heard about Simone Biles stepping back? Yeah. So hearing what was happening with Simone, you know, we only heard just as we were watching the competition and we didn't really know what was happening. And then after the competition was done, hearing that she was having, you know, some um, twisties, you know, things with her, her mental health and, and, you know, mental blocks and 
you know, as an athlete, as a gymnast, especially, I could totally relate to that. I've been through Mm. that. And it's something that you don't take lightly. It's something that is terribly scary, terribly dangerous in the sport of gymnastics. And, you know, I think it definitely opened up a lot of conversation. And it was incredible to see that because it really did show and, and Simone should be so proud of herself because it really did show that you know, we are humans first, not just athletes mm. and prioritizing your mental health and your physical well-being, mental well-being, you know, that is priority over any performance, over any medal, and especially even at the Olympics. And, you know, it's easy for the outside perspective to, you know, have comments and, and talk about what was happening. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I really believe she made that choice solely because for her and her team, that was the best choice possible for her well-being, for their well-being, for the team. And so I think it was an incredible platform for that to happen, to open up conversation on mental health and athletes and really, really strike some change for the future. You bring up some, something very interesting. You know, it, they always say when you're, at, when you're at that level, you're at your level, it's 95% mental and then it's 5% talent. Why do you think some of the media were being so critical of Simone Biles focusing on her mental health? You know, it's, it's, it's really hard to say because everyone's got their own perspective, but for her, she had so much pressure, like, and and so much expectation, not only externally, but internally and the amount of pressure and expectation we put on ourselves individually as athletes is, is beyond the roof high and then loaded up with extra expectations and pressure from, you know, not only people who know her, but the whole world, you know, that's, that's a lot to put on someone's shoulders. And, and so I think for the media and everyone to be able to see the amount that goes, the pressure that goes onto the shoulders of these athletes, you know, these comments and, and the, um, they don't know the situation that's happening. Right. So I think it's important for everyone to just be aware and, and be kind and, and you never know what's going on with someone. You never know what's going through their head, how their, what their perspective is. And so it's, it's really just having an open mind towards the situation. And, and I think they just really didn't understand the situation at hand. And, you know, there's always two sides to look at something, but going back to the team perspective, I think it was really, you know, if she had competed and and not been able to do her routines, that wouldn't have been supporting her team. And, and I, I know there were comments about her, you know, not being able to do it for her team, but Really, I think she made the the right call in being able to allow her team to have the best possible chance of meddling in that team final and, you know, also putting her mental health and her health in perspective as well, because that's so important. You know, it's it's an individual and team sport. But at the end of the day, you know, your team has your back. They they support you no matter what. And I think it's important to just have that understanding and kindness towards all the individuals. Yeah. You know, today, a lot of athletes, professional athletes are stepping up like Kevin Love. He started the Kevin Love Foundation, you know, to focus on mental health. Do you think things need to change from a mental health perspective with professional amateur athletics? Yeah, I think definitely moving in that direction. And it, it, it does need to keep moving in, in that direction a lot for sure. And it's it's these individuals and these athletes, you know, starting to make those changes and speak up and and really kind of take that stage and use it to create change. And and so together, we just kind of need to keep moving forward and, and keep working on it. There's definitely a lot more support that needs to be put in place for it, a lot more understanding. 
built up in the foundations of sport, but as well at the Mm -hmm. highest level, you know, it's all the way through and not only in sport, but as well, I think in just daily life and normal careers, I guess, outside of the athletic world, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done with it. And it's just talking about it, getting that conversation going and figuring out how we can best move forward and, and kind of create that change that really does need to happen. Mm, it's interesting. Do you have any advice that you would give a young athlete or anybody listening to that's struggling with overcoming obstacles? What would you tell them? Yeah, I would say that, you know, it's it's one of those things that always kind of comes up in sport and, and part of life. You know, obstacles are there to, you know, challenge you and, you know, mistakes are made to learn from. These things you learn from, you grow from. And I think the most important thing to remember is to take it one step at a time to be patient with yourself, you know, focus on the things that are within your control and and not on the things outside of your control, because, you know, that's just going to be really taxing on your energy and, and trying to have a positive outlook or at least, you know, an open mindset towards it. But it's really taking it one step at a time, being patient, you know, focusing on what you can control and really surrounding yourself with individuals who are going to be there to support you, you know, bring that positive energy, help you and, not be afraid to ask for help as well. That's something that I've learned. There's, there's so many resources out there. There's so many people who are, who are there to help and to be able to reach out and, and get that help when you need it, when you're trying to overcome whatever it is, is so important. And that can kind of just like be an instant game changer. So it's just kind of, you know, having those resources, reaching out, being able to move forward, staying positive and, you know, not getting too down on yourself, really trusting the process. You remind me of a quote. It's, it's, uh, your greatest strengths are arm's length. That's reaching out for help. So if you need help, it's there. And for athletes, they need to understand that from sports psychologists, to therapists, to teammates, to parents, to coaches, they're all there for help as long as you ask. Absolutely. Speaking of asking, I ask all my guests about rituals. I have morning rituals. Every morning I wake up, I do an incantation. I say by December 31st, 2021, IJ Cardiel will accomplish this by doing this. I do an ice shower. I do a journaling. Do you have any morning rituals or rituals that you subscribe to to get mentally ready for the day? You know, my morning rituals are not not as intense as yours. <laughs> I don't do a nice shower. Maybe I should start. Um, <laughs> but for me, it's really just kind of waking up and starting the day off with breathing, kind of putting to plan what my day, my daily goals are going to be or what I want to accomplish what I need to get done and how I'm going to do that. So that's kind of writing it out or making a list or, you know, just kind of creating a schedule for myself to kind of mentally prepare for the day and know that, okay, these things might be difficult or what am I going to need to be able to accomplish this the best possible? And for me, it's always like my mom always told me starting the day off (laughs) with a good breakfast gives you energy and and puts you in a good mind mindset to handle whatever comes later. So for me, it's getting, you know, hydrated, drinking water, getting a good breakfast put in me for energy, writing out what I, I'm trying to accomplish that day, focus on some breathing, get some fresh air and sunlight to wake myself up and then tackle the day as it comes. Mom had some good advice with breakfast. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> what does the next chapter look like for you? The next chapter looks very exciting, I think. Each chapter has its own storyline. It has its own 
obstacles to overcome. It's it's goals that you want to achieve. And and so I'm very excited for the next chapter and, and the next few years. I'm not ready to be done with gymnastics yet. I still love it. I'm still so passionate about it. And, you know, there's still goals that I want to achieve. So I think it's it's a very exciting time. You know, right now it's it's a great time to kind of take a little bit of a rest, you know, prioritize that mental and physical, you know, health and rest after the Olympics, especially after such long quad and and COVID, you know, this is a perfect time to do that. But as well, it's very exciting to kind of think of the future, think of the next steps and just kind of start creating a plan that we're going to work towards. But yeah, it's it's very exciting to look at the next chapter. What's the legacy you want to leave behind? I think for me and everything that I've been through, especially in sport, you know, from being from Halifax, Nova Scotia, small province, city, and then the amount that I've been involved with Canadian gymnastics. I think it's it's an incredible platform and something that I'm very grateful for the opportunity to inspire and hopefully, yeah, inspire the next generations, any individuals really to dream big and go for their dreams no matter where you come from. I think that's kind of like the the big thing for me is is really to get people to have those goals, not be afraid to work hard, not be afraid to break barriers, push boundaries, you know, go for it, really go for it and not be afraid and to find something that you love doing and do it. And, you know, everyone's path is going to be different. Everyone is so unique. And just to, you know, love your path, love your journey, trust in that, you know, don't compare yourself to others and just kind of, yeah, dream big and go for that. So that's kind of, you know, the platform that I'm trying to use to inspire the next generation, because, I feel like I've I've learned so much over my gymnastics career. I'm I'm still learning so much and I want to inspire others to, you know, have those dreams to go for it, not be afraid and push those boundaries. That's beautiful. I always call it defining your dash between your birth date and death date is uh is your legacy, defining that dash. So that was I a beautiful that. that's beautiful put. Where can people find you on social media? People can find me on social media, on Instagram or Twitter. And my handle is Ellie Black underscore. So that's where you can find me and you can follow along with my journey. Well, Ellie, it was an honor to have you on your show. And again, congratulations. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. Thank you. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Stories of Strength. A big thanks to Ellie Black for joining us and sharing her story. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. I'm Jay Cardiello, and this has been Stories of Strength by MuscleTech.